Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have a great show for you this week. The main event is the Wizard of Waikiki. Curtis Cam is my guest. We talk about learning magic in an island environment, the magic scene of Hawaii, and a lot more. Nick Lacapo joins me to discuss the feature product of the week from R. Paul Wilson. Before all of that, the show kicks off with one of our quickfire segments, where your favorite magicians have a serious think about the literature they would want with them if they were shipwrecked. And this week, Alexandra de Vivier joins me for Desert Island Magic Book. Alexandra de Vivier, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for Desert Island Magic books let's suppose you wash up on a desert island with one magic book and it's made of tyvek so it won't fall apart in the wind and the rain and the sand what is your desert island magic book oh, that's so, such a tough question but yeah. right away i would say lifesavers michael weber oh like michael first of all michael weber's material is amazing but yes. lifesavers is really wonderful what in particular draws you to lifesavers the mind of yeah. michael weber just yeah. the mind Everything, I like the book, but you know what I am fascinated, more fascinated about is the way he thinks. Yes. So that's, voilà, why I took this one. I, I love the way he thinks. There's all, so many of his pieces are so simple, and that's what makes them so deeply fooling. Yeah. Uh, is there a particular trick in there that you find yourself coming back to? Really, no. Just all of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like his mind. I, I like the way... He, he just uh, go, you know, he's the kind of guy, we, we talked in the lecture about mm-hmm. it, to be aware. Yes. That guy is aware of everything. <laughs> and I don't know how it's possible. He, he takes yeah. things up from every uh, different field. And that's, I admire him a lot. Well, Lifesavers by Michael Weber is a fantastic Desert Island Magic book. Thanks for sharing. My pleasure. Thanks to Alexandra de Vivier for joining me on the show. If you want to find out about the magic university she runs in France, go check out her episode from last season. It's well worth the listen. Now, on to the main event. Curtis Cam is arguably one of the most influential coin magicians for the last 20 years. From his Palms of Steel series to his work on the Disclaimer, he's the man everyone looks to when they're looking for creative and engaging coin effects. But what many people don't know is that he's also an incredibly well-rounded magician as performed at some of the biggest resorts on the island chain of Hawaii, entertaining tens of thousands of people with everything from cards and unusual objects to major stage productions. We sat down when he was here to lecture to discuss his wide-ranging talents and the magic of Hawaii, and now you get to join our conversation. Curtis Cam, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. Really enjoyed hosting your lecture, and I've got a lot of things I want to talk to you about, uh-huh. but one of the first things I want to ask you is, so you're you're based in Hawaii. Yes. Wh- which of the islands are you on? I'm on Oahu, okay. which is where Waikiki and Honolulu are. Yeah, that's where a lot of the big uh, resorts are, correct? Uh, some of the big resorts. Uh, Maui actually is turning out to be um, more uh, of the larger, more expensive resorts are ending up there. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have less other things, you know, because Honolulu is the center for business. Mm-hmm. So there's downtown, there's the, the, the attorneys, there's the banks. Mm-hmm. Um, but most on Maui, it's almost entirely, you know, just the resorts gotcha. and the local people that work there. When you're working in a resort like this, I would imagine particularly in Hawaii, because um, I think we have a mutual friend through 4F who performs at a resort in Mauritius. And... Uh, I imagine that you have to choose the material you're going to take very carefully because you have a very broad international audience. How, how do you how do you approach that type of thing? Yeah, well, it, it, for me, um, I have uh, scaled back my show to its to the point where it's what I like to do, which is more of a stand up parlor type of show or a close up show, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I feature. Uh, a lot of English, <laughs> spoken English mm-hmm. in my shows. So I am 
trying to limit myself to a west, what they call a westbound audience, okay, which is the way we categorize visitors. Mm-hmm. Um, westbound audience are people that are going to, when they return, they're going to return to the west coast of the uh, United States, gotcha, um, or United States in general, mm-hmm. and uh, they're all English speaking. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, if you talk to the uh, industry professionals, they'll tell you that uh, every group of uh, identifiable group of uh, visitors to the islands has a different personality. Really? Uh, yeah. And uh, um, the uh, westbound traveler comes from the United States and uh, is more what they call a free independent traveler, an FIT. In other words, they make up their own minds about where they're going to go mm-hmm. and what they're going to do and, and how much they want to pay. Mm-hmm. They are more interested in a bargain. Mm-hmm. Okay. On the other hand, uh, a lot of the visitors from Japan, they uh, tend to uh, book their entertainment and their attractions and their stay through uh, a travel organization. Okay. And it's very regimented, and everybody wants to make sure uh, they get the same. They they, they get a luau, mm-hmm. they get a dinner cruise, they get a show, mm-hmm. and. Uh, over the last 15 years, we've convinced them that they need to see a magic show, which is nice. <laughs> um, and uh, they want to pay more money mm-hmm. because they believe that by paying more money, they will get a better experience or at least as good an experience as they could have gotten. Mm-hmm. So um, they are more interested in getting, making sure they get what everybody else is getting. You say... You said uh, convince them that they need to see a magic show. I mean, it seems to me that Hawaii has become sort of an epicenter of very, very strong magic, if I'm not mistaken. Because I know you're there. Kainoa's from there. I know John George and Dana Daniels both do shows in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it is sort of Hawaii like going to be the, the new Chicago of magic? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like it to be. Yeah. But, but um, uh, you know, we're like Chicago Magic Lounge mm-hmm. uh, draws from the surrounding area. Mm-hmm. Uh, there isn't any surrounding area for us. <laughs> so people are coming to the islands from way far away, mm-hmm. and uh, they have their own ideas about what it's going to be like when they get there. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, for the Japanese tourists, it was that they uh, they would have, a f- traditionally, it was a four-day visit, mm-hmm. and they had to do five things in those four days, and it was very structured. Yeah. Um, uh, it's... Uh, and over the years uh, that uh, we that I, I um, helped with and worked with the uh, the John Hirokawa Magic of Magic of Polynesia mm-hmm. um, show that originally opened at the Hilton Hawaiian Village and then moved over to the middle of Waikiki, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that was a the first large scale illusion show that we tried to do in Hawaii. Wow. And uh, I was lucky enough to work uh, on that show, uh, help design illusions, help script and stage, and solve problems. Um, uh, John and I have worked on most of his shows together uh, when he was started, get starting out. Um, and he said at this point, look, I have a million-dollar budget. What are we going to do? And uh, it was a great start, but we had yeah. no idea. You know, you never do, right? Yeah. You, you work for your big break. And then when it gets there, you don't know what you're going to do with it. But I, I did say, we both said, mm. you know, 
uh, I always thought that if I had a big illusion show, I'd do the Table of Death, the Andre Cole effect. Yes, I'm very familiar with the Table of Death. <laughs> and that was just a great favorite ever since yeah. seeing it on The Magician with Bill Bixby. Yeah. Um, and so that went into the show, and then a couple other things. And then uh, John hired uh, Don Wayne to be a, a magic consultant for the wow. show. Wow. So I got to work uh, with Don, which was just an education, yeah. amazing. Um, and uh, he was very low-key mm -hmm. and just solved your problems. Mm -hmm. And he had these uh, great flashes of inspiration and uh, great ideas to not only uh, to move the effect forward mm -hmm. as opposed to, uh, and just to solve the problems that we did have. And he was just not very uh, pretentious about it or anything. You know, it wasn't a big thing. He just said, here's something we could do. And it was great. You know, that actually brings up a, a, a topic that I think is, is kind of interesting. I'd be, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it. I first became aware of you because of a trick called Rat Pack, <laughs> which I used to perform a lot. Yes! Okay. Uh, I, I had multiple rat traps. If you've never seen Rat Pack, you have a card is selected, signed, lost in the deck, and it is placed on an open rat trap that has been set. And you reach into the deck, grab a card, just as the rat trap closes, and cards go everywhere, and then you come away with the selected card. And when you're learning it, your fingers hurt <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Um, but I did the trick and someone's, and it was, it was back when I lived in Knoxville and someone was like, that's a great trick. Where'd you learn that? And I said, Curtis Cam put this out and they said the coin guy. And I said, what? And then they showed me the Palms of Steel series. And that's when I found out your association with coins. Mm -hmm. You are, even as we've had people here with you, uh, people come to see you in the, in the, in the theater, everyone associates you with coins, but you're, you sound significantly more varied than that. <laughs> and I mean, I guess what's it, what's it like to be associated so heavily with a particular prop? And then when people come to see your show, I imagine it's not all coins. It's not unless, it, unless it has to be for some particular reason. Mm -hmm. um, at one point uh, I did. Okay. So, so there never in my lifetime has, has there been, uh, too much coin magic. Sorry to interrupt, but this week the show is brought to you by Backfire from R. Paul Wilson. Nick Lacapo stopped by the studio to discuss this. Nick, I feel like every couple of weeks we have to address position. We are the president and vice president of the R. Paul Wilson fan club. Mm, yes, I'm always make sure that I'm up to date with my membership fees, and part of that requirement is purchasing Backfire by R. Paul Wilson. I this trick is so good. It, you know, this is an update to a trick that is a modern classic ricochet where you have four aces and four kings and they change places and then they immediately change back. But with backfire, there's some like really cool updates to the gimmick that like you see the kings all the way through and well, the look, changes man, are more visual. You know, and call me crazy, but like I, maybe I, maybe I'm the type of person that never saw Ricochet in the first place and why do I care, right? Cuz backfire is the new superior awesome way to do the trick, right? Wait, have you seen Cash doing backfire on Instagram? Of course. Yeah, this is the trick where you got four aces and four kings, right? Yeah, and then so Cash starts performing this and he, I think he takes the eight kings and he puts them face down on a close-up mat and then he visually makes the aces and the kings change places and then as he goes to reach under the mat for the cards uh, you reve he reveals that they've changed places immediately. This thing went viral. It was nuts. Yeah, I, 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 so... I mean, the trick is amazing, right? There's just all these great visual moments, and then, of course, the kickback ending, which 
spectators just don't see coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I guess kind of why we're here even talking about it is because yeah, there is an updated handling that it, a lot of people seem to enjoy. Uh, our Paul uses like a, like a silk or a handkerchief to, um, cause you kind of have to do some of this stuff like under a table mm-hmm. or like, you know, you could stretch out a handkerchief between two people and do, do the moves underneath the handkerchief. It's really cool. It's a great, not only is it a great walk around piece, but it, because you're using another prop like that, it makes it play a lot bigger. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, Cash used this close-up pad, and um, a lot of people seem to think that was like a really great way to perform the trick. So that's something that's also going to be included uh, when you pick up Backfire. Yeah, Backfire by our Paul Wilson. You should check it out. That was Backfire by R. Paul Wilson, available at penguinmagic.com. As always, our luminous listeners receive 25% off the featured product of the week when they enter the special discount code at checkout. This week, that code is KICKBACK. That's KICKBACK, all one word, K-I-C-K-B-A-C-K, for 25% off Backfire by R. Paul Wilson. That code is only good for Backfire and only good until the next episode of this show airs. Now, back to my conversation with Curtis Cam. And, I mean, I guess, what's it what's it like to be associated so heavily with a particular prop? And then when people come to see your show, I imagine it's not all coins. It's not, unless it, unless it has to be for some particular reason. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, uh, I did... Okay, so, so there never in my lifetime has, has there been uh, too much coin magic. Uh, yeah, it seems like the coin cats don't get very much love. Yeah, uh, and uh, a lot of that is something we're addressing with the lecture we just shot. Yeah. Right? It's like people think that there's just not that many things you can do with coins. Mm-hmm. I've done Matrix, I've done Coins Across, and now I'm done. Yeah. Right? And um, there are so many other card tricks, because yeah. as we know, card tricks are all different from each other. And uh, <laughs> you can watch an infinite number. <laughs> Not the case at all. Um, they're all the same. Every yeah. one of them is the same. Yeah. I, I, I had a conversation with Jay Sankey once, and he says, you know, I just, any any trick that has to do with the rearrangement of cardboard, I can't uh, really get into. Yeah. And that was a way of just uh, generalizing all of card magic. It was just yeah. the rearrangement of pasteboard. Um and, you know, all of it's an exaggeration. There, there's that old expression, and I mentioned this in the lecture, that uh, um, uh, card magic is to coin magic as playing poker is to flipping a coin. Yeah. And my answer to that is generally, yeah, but at the beginning of the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. they flip a coin. They don't cut for high card. <laughs> and there's a certain poetry to it. And where Hobsonser said that uh, cards are the poetry of magic, mm-hmm. um, I would suggest that coins are the haiku. Ooh. Oh man, that is that's a that's that's going on the outside of a book somewhere. <laughs> it is, you know, very very uh, stylized, very carefully constructed, mm-hmm. very direct to the point. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't make it any less poetry. I think what was interesting about this lecture, and I know people are going to listen to this before the lecture is out, so they're just going to have to sit and wait. Uh, was was precisely how varied things were like yes there were plots where coins went across but coins transforming into spheres and then transforming back and i think that you know we had craig petty in recently and craig petty did some similar stuff where the and i think that the moment a coin transforms into another object people stop thinking of it as coin magic and start thinking of it as sleight of hand they take it out of that category but i don't think that's true 
What depends on what you mean. Yeah. Which which people are you talking about? Well, I guess ma- sort of magicians yeah. in general. Yeah. I don't think of this. Uh, we're not we're not talking to lay people here. But I think that magicians tend to categorize coin magic as it is just with coins, and the moment it transforms into anything other than a coin, it stops being a coin trick. Huh. I, I mean, at least that's my impression of yeah. it. I don't know. Maybe uh, I you know. I don't spend a lot of time talking to magicians that don't know anything about coins. <laughs> it uh, it's, does seem to me that uh, regardless of the prop he featured, all of David Roth's magic was coin magic. Yeah. Regardless of whether it was the funnel or the cylinder or the... Tiny the, table. The, the or, tiny yeah. table or the, the hole. Or, yeah. You know, because uh, all of his little pieces were just uh, 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 characterized and titled by the prop that was involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet they were all coin magic. I think uh, that um, sort of uh, defined it um, mm-hmm. as coin magic. But it may be. I mean, uh, the opening piece that for my lecture uh, show was involved a big ball. Maybe mm-hmm. the, maybe that will be seen as a ball trick. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. don't know. So when you're when you're setting out to create magic these days, you're you're not focused on coin magic you just sort of take whatever in and then turn it into a <laughs> into a trick like for what you did with uh this new book that you're associated with mm-hmm. the um uh forgive me i i'm blanking on the name of it because it's it's related to the news the the magazine that you were publishing right the disclaimer the, is the magazine the disclaimer is the magazine and yeah. year one is the book right correct? yeah and that is the first year of our uh electronic magazine mm-hmm. uh the magazine's called the disclaimer mm-hmm. because that's where the truth is. It's in the disclaimer. And uh, we like the idea of just over-the-top advertising that has a little asterisk after it and you actually <laughs> tell the truth. And uh, that's the, the explanations for the effects are the, what follows the asterisk. And uh, um, that's kind of uh, the concept for the magazine. And uh, the book just collected. The, we actually made it through a whole year. Wow. Of uh, um, three effects per uh, issue, one issue a month. So, uh, and then there's all kinds of extras and things thrown in, including uh, Jeremiah's, uh, Jeremiah Zoe's um, trick in which you, you know, the classic uh, canary in the lemon, in the egg, <laughs> in the orange. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he does that. Uh, he has that written up, mm-hmm. uh, a routine that he's done. And, uh, uh, the vanishes are all accomplished with a brick. <laughs> that is delightfully Jeremiah. Yes. <laughs> uh, will there be a year two of dis- of the disclaimer? We have started on it. We're one issue into the second year. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the, we've already got two written. And uh, yeah, it looks like there probably will be. Uh, we certainly have the material. That's very exciting. Uh, well, I, I, we're about out of time, but uh, before we go, if someone is going to Hawaii mm-hmm. and they want to see some incredible magic, where do they go? Uh, first and foremost, I would say uh, Warren and Annabelle's yeah. on Maui. Yeah. Uh, Warren Gibson has this great club. Uh, they do a fantastic show. It's a two-hour uh bar, close-up platform magic show. Mm-hmm. The uh, magicians who rotate through that show are all extremely good and hand-selected uh, and uh, curated by Warren. Mm-hmm. He wants a specific kind of show. He wants a show that's fast and funny mm-hmm. and memorable and will send everybody out uh, as missionaries for the show. 
Yeah. And uh, uh, he's, he gets that. You yeah. Know? The guys, the Dana Daniels, John George, Chris Blackmore, uh, mm-hmm. John Chirac. Uh, and now um, a friend of mine, um, David Karaya, has been performing there. Oh, really? On occasion. And um, uh, th- they're all um, really good at delivering the kind of show that Warren wants. Mm-hmm. Warren, when he does the show, does a two-hour close-up show <laughs> wow. without intermission, all by himself. Whoa! And it kills. Yeah. It, it just and, and uh, I really wish he was able to do it more often. You know, oh, it just, uh, but it, yeah. And he built that place himself, and it's mm-hmm. a terrific show. And I recommend that to just about everyone. There was a new show opening on Maui, mm-hmm. uh, also, uh, which has opened on Maui. It's soon to be opening on Oahu. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the Hotel Magic Company. Oh, great. Uh, it's a magician by the name of um, Jonathan Todd mm-hmm. has been organizing a parlor show set in a Victorian setting, and there's a Museum of Curiosities before that show starts. Oh, I love and, Museums of Curiosity. And uh, they have a host who brings you through the museum and, and then presents uh, you into the main room. They... Mm-hmm. Um, they do an introductory performance mm-hmm. of generally magic. Sometimes it's Hoiana and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then they introduce the main performer. They have a roster of about 25 magicians picked from all over the world. And they are going to rotate through uh, the Hotel Magic perfor- uh, Parlor on Maui. Oh, great. And there's at least one scheduled for Oahu. And... Uh, then they've got their eyes set on other states. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, Curtis Cam, thank you so much for joining me on the Penguin Magic Podcast, and I'm really excited for your lecture to drop because I, I think that you're just gonna. It's. I think there's gonna be a lot of people doing a lot of really cool stuff with coins because of that lecture. Gotta hope so. And uh, I have enjoyed every minute of it. Thanks very much for having me. That's gonna do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Curtis for the conversation, and thanks to you for listening. Before we go, it is with a heavy heart that we say goodbye to Max Maven this week. Max was a titan in our art, a passionate champion for the historical record, and an incredibly prolific creator and one of the sharpest minds Magic has ever seen. I was fortunate to spend a reasonable amount of time with Max over the years. When he was the entertainment director at the Magic Castle, he's the one who gave me my first shot at the close-up gallery, and he consistently offered accurate and insightful advice that made me a better performer, but more importantly, a better human. I was fortunate to spend time with him at FISM, and while he was there, he had a kind word when I got off stage. He was a really, really great human being. He passed away this week in the company of friends and family. It's sad to see him go. He was a thing of terrifying beauty, and he will be missed. Well, on that note, we are a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform that you are sharing your remembrances on. If you wanted to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, you'll have to take over the lights of Descatron and blink it to me in Morse code. Check out my Instagram to see the thing I was working on. Yes, my FISM trophy now lives inside the PC case I work at. It is very dumb, and I am super proud of it. But if custom PC cases aren't your thing, you can always hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A. AIT from me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios practice practice perform